Well, good morning. It's good to be back. It's good to be back. Well, for me. Maybe I'm just saying that for me, because you guys are always here. <laughs> it's good for me to be back. We uh, had opportunity to uh, go back to London and see family and uh, worship uh, in London. Uh, my, uh, the church of, uh, well, where Wendy used to go to church, and uh, that was a good time, but sort of missed being here, so it's good to be back. And uh, we're starting off a new series in the new year. We're going to be looking at the book of 1 Corinthians, and uh, had lots of time to think about it over the last couple of weeks, and uh, just where we're going to go with it. And the, the theme that sort of has come out for me in terms of thinking of 1 Corinthians, and we may do something with the stage up here just a little bit to keep us reminded, is uh, foundations, that there are a number of foundations in the Christian church that we build upon. And uh, as we go through 1 Corinthians, Paul, the Apostle Paul, takes the opportunity to basically uh, lay this foundation with the Corinthian church. And so it's a great example for us to be able to look at the foundations that he lays in the issues that keep coming up in the church, and he addresses each one of them. And so we'll be looking at different sort of foundation stones, uh, the cornerstone being Christ and the foundation being laid by the prophets and the apostles. And so that's sort of the, the tone or the shape that we're going to take as we go through 1 Corinthians. Uh, but this morning, uh, if you go to 1 Corinthians 1.1, that's as far as we're going to get. Um, and so it could be a long series. Um, but I thought, and we're not even going to get into 1 Corinthians today, because I thought what we would do before we even get into the book of 1 Corinthians uh, is talk about the Apostle Paul and who he is and why we should listen to the Apostle Paul. Who is this guy? And so that's what we're going to do today. I'll just open up in prayer. Father God, as we look into your word today, I just pray that um, even as uh, we look into your word and as we study 1 Corinthians and read and reread it, um, that those foundations would be laid in our hearts. And uh, as our elder Graham prayed, that uh, all the things that we do in the church and all the things we do in the community and all the things that we do in the world begin with us and the foundation being laid properly in our own hearts. And being laid properly even here at Lakeside and Halliburton, uh, because uh, we are the building blocks of the new temple of the church. And so, Father, just help us to be solid stones and mortared well together, and uh, that we would be built upon your word. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, in 1 Corinthians 1.1, it opens up as Paul often does in his letters. He opens up simply introducing himself, Paul called by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus and our brother Sosthenes. And my purpose in this introduction and in introducing us to Paul is that we would recognize sort of the unique value of Paul's teaching as an apostle to the Gentiles, who's taught by the Spirit, um, and who uh, basically lays out for us all these foundations that I've talked about, or, or that I've touched on. And so to think about Paul, just to put it in today's context, if you could imagine, if you will, if there was a person of some power, of some influence, you could imagine in North America, in Canada, the U.S., whatever, and they were a politician or they were an official of some sort, and in other countries and other times this would be far more relevant, but you could imagine a person who hated the church. They were either atheist or they were uh, from some other religion or philosophical background, and they hated the church, and not only did they hate the church, but they had the power to do something about it. And so people like Rick Warren, 
were put in court and testified against and thrown in jail. And, you know, so Andy Stanley and his father, they end up getting dragged into court. This person has some sort of political authority, something, testifies against them. They're getting thrown in jail. They'd be killed if they could be, but they're being silenced. People who write books, you know, John Piper, whoever, you know, Timothy Keller, their books are taken off the shelves. They're not allowed to write. They're silenced. And this is going on and on and on in the church in North America. And you're thinking, this person is out to silence the gospel. And then, after all of that, this person shows up and they say, actually, I'm a big fan of Christianity. I love Jesus. And, in fact, God has spoken to me and I've got things to tell you about the gospel. (laughs) How would the modern North American church handle that? Right? Like, would you trust this guy after years of venomously attacking the church, wishing that leaders were dead, imprisoning churches and shutting them, church leaders and shutting down churches, and then suddenly he says, no, 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 I'm, I'm on your team now. And you all need to listen to me because I have really important things to tell you that are straight from the Spirit of God. A lot of skepticism, right? This is, what, this is, this is the introduction to Paul. This is Paul's background. This is who he was. He was a person who hated the church. This is what the church faced in dealing with with Saul, which was his Hebrew name, Paul being his Greek name, born a Roman citizen. And uh, so they faced this with this, this Pharisee, Saul, because he hated the church. He stood by while Stephen was stoned with approval while he was put to death. And he held on to the cloaks of all the people who were throwing the stones, saying, oh, you know, free up your throwing arm, I'll hang on to your coat for you, you know. And this is the guy that the church ultimately had to accept. And it's the guy who ultimately is blessed with writing virtually half of the New Testament. You know, he's written this letter and 12 other letters. He's written 14 out of the 27 books. And, uh, oh, 13, depending on how you, some people argue about who wrote Hebrews and things like that. But, um, <laughs> but, in, in preaching this sermon and in, in getting this across, it's important that we understand who Paul is as an apostle, his unique calling to the church, and his role in laying that foundation that we build upon. And most importantly, that we as a church come to appreciate and respect Paul much as the other disciples did. That I, I would put forth to you that it's important in your Christian walk and in your Christian life that you gain an understanding of who Paul is and that you allow him to influence you, and uh, that you allow him to, uh, that you get to know him, because you can know so much about Paul from what he wrote. We have so many letters of his, and so much autobiographical information about the Apostle Paul, that we really get to see his heart, and we get to see who he is as a man, and what he means to the church, and what he can mean to us, that God intended that he would instruct us, and that Paul was carried along by the Holy Spirit, conveying to the church the wisdom of God, just as Jesus promised he would do, that he would teach more than he could teach the disciples here on this earth. You remember in John 16, where Jesus is leaving, and he tells the disciples, there's much more I would teach you, but I can't teach you that. I'm going to send another paraclete. I'm going to send another helper. I have to leave so the Holy Spirit can come, and he will teach you all these other things. And this is what's going on. This, in Paul, you get to see it happening. You see the promise of Jesus, the Holy Spirit teaching his church after he's gone. So why listen to Paul? There's lots of good reasons not to listen to him. And uh, 
I don't have a PowerPoint person. Or do I have a PowerPoint? Oh, they're back there. (laughs) So there's lots of good reasons not to listen to him. Uh, As we already described, Paul was an enemy in the church, right? He was fanatical about the purity of the Jewish faith. He met every qualification. He surpassed all the expectations as a Pharisee. And in the book of Acts, we see a good summary of the personality of Paul when he was known as Saul and his mission against the church in Acts chapter 9, actually right before the Damascus Road experience. In, in Acts chapter 9, it says, but, but Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues at Damascus, so that if he found any belonging to the way, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. So this is Paul. That's a snapshot of this guy, breathing threats and murder against the church and wanting to bring them bound to Jerusalem. And then he describes himself later on at that time, he's describing his former life in Philippians 3, 5, and 6. He says, he was circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. So this is Paul's description of himself. So he was a political and a religious powerhouse. He was a fast riser. He was gunning for the top job. He is eager to show his value to the temple and to the high priest. He wants the approval of all the Pharisees around him. He is, you know, he is that guy at your office that you just love to hate, you know, because he wears the impeccable suit and the fashionable tie and his hair is perfect and you know he wants the boss's job and he schmoozes with everybody and he's just you know, you just want to take him out back and punch him sometimes. <laughs> That's Paul, right? He is a mover and a shaker in the Jerusalem church, in the Jerusalem, not the church, the Jerusalem synagogue, in the temple. And he is a fast riser, and he is gunning for the top job. And he wants to show everybody how much he hates this new Christian faith. And so he is out doing the work of the high priest, shutting down the church. But at the beginning of his letter to Corinth, and in all of his other letters, as you read the first sentence, you read the first verses of those other letters that Paul wrote, he describes himself a completely different way now. His description of himself in these first verses of the the letters in Romans or Ephesians or Corinthians, any of his letters, you look at them, they all start sort of the same way. Here, Paul called by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus and our brother Sosthenes. And so despite his history of violence against the gospel, Paul is blessed with conveying the majority of the Spirit's teaching because he is called by the will of God to be an apostle of Jesus Christ. No matter what his intention was, no matter what his fleshly goal was, no matter what you know, happened in his past or the stuff that he had done, God had a plan for Paul. And he's called to be an apostle of Christ Jesus. And so let's look quickly, just look at some facts about Paul and this new identity. And that by looking at these things, it would lead us to a better understanding of who he is and who's Paul, what Paul's mission is for Christ Jesus and his authority to teach and, and in the end to have his writings considered scripture. Because as we go into 1 Corinthians, I don't want to leave any doubt that we are listening to the word of God, that the apostle Paul has the authority to speak why he has that authority, why his writings have been, have been captured as scripture, and why, if we are seeking wisdom, we can look here with certainty to know that we're listening to the Spirit of God and listening to the Word of God in the, in the writings of Paul. So the first thing, the first reason why we should listen to Paul is, is he's encountered Jesus, the Damascus Road experience. This is why he's considered an apostle. 
right? In, in Acts chapter 9, just after that description of himself, of, of when he was still breathing threats and murder against the church, he's on his way to Damascus. He's on his way to shut down the church and bring people back, bound to Jerusalem. And the Lord Jesus intercepts him, strikes him blind with his appearance, and essentially says, Paul, why are you persecuting me? Why are you attacking my church? Why are you against me? And Paul is struck with this encounter with Jesus, this physical, real encounter with Jesus. And it changes his life. And he realizes how wrong he has been in his own wisdom, in his own sort of, you know, philosophy of life, in his go get him eager attitude, and, and all the things that he was doing, this own little worldview that he had created for himself, how wrong he was. And he's struck by the presence of Jesus. And in 1 Corinthians 15, 8, he, he refers to this a number of times, but in 1 Corinthians 15, he talks about how Jesus appeared to all the different disciples and all the other apostles, so Peter and James and John and you know, all of those other guys. And then he says, last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. For I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God, but I am what I am. So this fact that he saw the risen Jesus is important to his authority, right? The apostles were people that saw Jesus and that were transformed by the teaching of Jesus. And Paul saw the risen Jesus. He can call himself an apostle and was recognized as an apostle because he saw Jesus. And not only did he see Jesus, but he was taught by Jesus, as we'll see a little bit later on. So the first thing as to why we listen to Paul and, and, and why it's a big deal about Paul is he met Jesus. He had this transformational meeting with Jesus that took his life in a totally different direction. And that's our testimony as well. Maybe not as dramatic as Paul. You know, I hope not. I hope you weren't struck blind. (laughs) But when we encounter Jesus, and some of us maybe have to think a long way back, and maybe we don't remember it being as transformational as it was because we've sort of gotten comfortable with our life. But when Jesus encountered your life, things changed. Right? You realize that you couldn't keep going the direction you were going, that Jesus had another plan for you, that there were things you were doing, hopefully not you know, persecuting the church and you know, throwing people in jail, but whatever it was you were doing, Jesus said, no, you, you can't do that. You need to do something else for me. That transformational experience. Secondly, Paul spoke with authority of the Holy Spirit. Right? I touched on it at the beginning. In John 16, Verses 12 to 13, Jesus is at the end of his ministry and he's talking to his disciples and he's explaining to them, I I can't teach you everything that I wanted to teach you. There's more that there is that are going to be still need to be taught to the church. The church age is beginning and I still need to teach you all these things to have the church, you know, go forward from, from this rock that I built it on, on Peter. But he won't teach them now. He's sending his spirit. He's sending another helper that will teach the apostles these things. And Paul explains in a few places that he himself was taught directly by Jesus. Galatians chapter 1 and 2, especially chapter 1, Paul expounds a lot about his apostleship and about where his teaching comes from. And it says, after Damascus, for three years he went away to Arabia. And so after the Damascus Road experience, Paul is gone out of the picture for three years, and he's taught the truths of the gospel by Jesus himself, not by the apostles. He didn't learn this stuff from Peter. He didn't learn it from James. He didn't learn it from John. He didn't go to Jerusalem and get taught these things. He had the Damascus Road experience, and he went away to Arabia, and he's taught these things directly by God. 
And he says, on numerous occasions, I've passed on to you that which was given to me. Remember that phrase, if you've read through the letters? Paul says that often. I deliver unto you what was delivered to me. So he speaks with the authority of the Holy Spirit. He speaks with the authority of one who is taught directly by Jesus. He says in 1 Corinthians 7, for example, and and he separates what he says, his authority versus God's authority. As as he writes in his letters, he's careful to, to make clear when he's speaking and when the Lord is speaking in various places. In 1 Corinthians 7, when we get there, you'll see he says, to the married I give this charge, not I, but the Lord. In other words, let me clarify, I'm speaking it for the Lord here. I'm speaking in the power of the Holy Spirit, these things. But then later on, he says in verse 12, to the rest I say, and this is me, not the Lord, that if any brother has a wife who's an unbeliever and she consents to live with him, he, she, he, should, he should not divorce her. And so you see these little clues in the writings of Paul where he talks about what was delivered to him and he's passing on from the Lord and things where he's speaking on behalf of the Lord and other times when he's speaking on behalf of himself. So Paul understood his authority. He understood that he was speaking on behalf of the Holy Spirit. In another place, he says, I too have the Spirit of Christ. Thus, he can say these things. A third reason that we can listen to Paul and that we should listen to Paul as he writes and as he teaches, he was accepted as an apostle by the others. First of all, he was called an apostle. And the word apostle literally means a sent one. And uh, it's used in different, in different ways, so don't get confused by this. And there's sort of a lot of stuff around here, which we might get into a little bit. But apostle with like a capital A, with someone who saw Jesus, who's someone who physically saw him, was taught by him, sat under his teaching. And that's why it was important that the Damascus experience happened for Paul, that he could be called an apostle. And why he explains himself that he is the least of the apostles, that Jesus he saw as one untimely born, that he's sort of a latecomer, but he admits, I am what I am. He understood his authority as an apostle. There's also small a apostle, which is applied to some brothers and sisters in the church in the early age simply meaning people that were sent, like Barnabas or people like that that were sent, but not capital A apostle, not apostle as in disciple or Paul. They must be chosen and commissioned by Jesus and given power, and we see that in Acts 26. Uh, Paul is uh, called as an apostle to the Gentile, just as Peter is called as an apostle to the Jews. Okay, so he's accepted as an apostle. Uh, it says it's on. So... There we go. Man, I was on a roll there, too. Where was I? Okay. Big A, small A apostle. Thank you. And so uh, he is an apostle, and he's accepted by an apostle by the other disciples and by the other apostles, right? So Paul claims his apostleship and substantiates it uh, with who he is and his experience and his work. And he goes to Jerusalem as an equal to Peter in Acts chapter 9. So after this three years, he goes up to Jerusalem and he meets with Peter. And he goes to Peter as an equal, not to learn from Peter, but to meet with Peter and to meet with the other disciples. And as it turns out, he doesn't meet with the other disciples at that time. He only meets with Peter. And because of, why could you imagine, after three years being away in Arabia, Paul comes back, he goes to Jerusalem, he wants to meet up with the disciples. What do you think the problem is? They don't trust him. Right? They don't trust him because this is the guy that was throwing them all in jail a little while ago. And so he has trouble at the beginning with his acceptance uh, in the church. But Barnabas comes along, takes him away to, uh, to a church, and uh, Barnabas vouches for him, and, and eventually we see his calling to his missionary. 
And it's, and it's not until 14 years later that his missionary journeys begin. You know, so it took a long time for the church to get over who Paul was and for Paul to prove who he, who he was and to have credibility. But he was accepted as an apostle, and we'll see that as we see uh, things like what Peter himself says about Paul in his writings. The fourth thing is that Peter affirms his writing as scripture, that the writings of Paul, the letters that we have in the New Testament are scripture. Not only are they scripture as was canonized or recognized by church fathers so a couple hundred years later, but they were recognized by, as scripture by the disciples, by Peter. Peter himself recognized that the things that Paul was writing was from the Spirit of God and was the writing of God. It says in 2 Peter 3.15, Peter's talking about all the different things that he's teaching his people in his letter, and he says, and count the patience of our Lord as salvation, just as our beloved brother Paul also wrote to you, according to the wisdom given him. So he's his beloved brother Paul. Okay, this is the acceptance that the disciples had of Paul. But he goes on to say, as he does in all his letters when he speaks in them of these matters, there are some things in them. So these are the circular letters that Paul has written. They're being read at the time that the disciples are still doing ministry. There are some things in them that are hard to understand, which the ignorant and unstable twist to their own destruction as they do the other scriptures. And so... You see here that that Peter is recognizing Paul as a beloved brother, as an apostle. That the things that he's written in his letters, which are in circulation in the church, unstable people are using and twisting the words of God just as they twist the other scriptures. And so we see by association here that the things that Paul writes are the word of God. They are scripture. Now, I don't think Peter or Paul could have imagined maybe the New Testament in the form that we have it today. But Paul was working on scripture from the prophets in his day, so he understood the idea of Holy Scripture, and he understood his authority as an apostle. He understood that as he wrote these things to the church, that he was speaking with the authority of God. And so I don't think there was any doubt that Paul knew that he was speaking Scripture. The other disciples understood that he was speaking Scripture. However it would be kept and and, and maintained for the church in the future, they probably couldn't imagine. But we listen to Paul, and we build our foundation of the church on things that Paul taught and expounded on upon the teachings of, of Jesus because of this, because of this um, reality, this affirmation that he speaks with the Holy Spirit and that he teaches the wisdom of God and that he's accepted as an apostle, that the things that he writes and speaks are true and not to be twisted by the ignorant and the unstable. And this is what we build our, our life on and what we build our church on. And fifthly, finally, he was set apart as an apostle to us specifically, to the Gentile church. Okay, that's us. You know, generation, 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 all the way down from Corinth and Ephesus and Laodicea and Rome and all these Gentile churches that Paul established. Well, Paul didn't establish Rome. We're not sure who established Rome. But uh, all, these, all these Gentile churches that Paul planted and established, we are the heritage of all those churches. And Paul was set apart as an apostle to the Gentile church specifically. In Romans eleven thirteen, he says, Now I am speaking to you Gentiles, inasmuch then as I am an apostle to the Gentile, I magnify my ministry. So he recognized his authority as an apostle, and he recognized that his specific calling, his set-apartness, was set apart to the Gentiles, not to the Jews. 
Peter was the apostle to the Jews. Paul was the apostle to the Gentiles. And he set apart for the gospel. That's what 1 Corinthians there said. He was called, set apart for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And in Galatians 1.15, he talks about it again. He says, but when he who had set me apart before I was born and who called me by his grace. So Paul had this understanding that this Damascus Road experience and everything that he knew and understood from his teaching from the spirit of Jesus in Asia and all the things that he was conveying to the church and his whole life now at this point from Damascus on, he understood the sovereignty of God, that God had before he was born, before the foundations of the world, had put his finger on Paul and said, I've got a plan for you. I've got a mission for you, Paul. You are going to convey the teaching to the early church. You're going to convey the wisdom and the truth of the Spirit of God to the early church. And so he understands that he is, uh, in a way, in the line of people like Jeremiah, that this is how God works. That when God works in this way to set someone apart like Jeremiah, he says uh, in Jeremiah 1.5, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. That's what he said of Jeremiah. Or like John the Baptist in Luke 1.11, you read about you know, the birth of John the Baptist and how the Holy Spirit was upon him even in his mother's womb. And also uh, how God works in Romans 9 where he talks about Jacob and Esau and how he had planned his favor for Jacob uh, even before they were born as twins. And so this is just the way that God works. And Paul says that he saw himself as separated. He says it a number of times at the beginning of his letters as well. Which may be a bit of a play on words because he was also a Pharisee. And the word Pharisee in Hebrew literally means set apart. It's the same word. When he says separated in Greek, he's saying he's a, he's a Pharisee. But he's not a Pharisee in the sense of what the Pharisees were. The Pharisees, uh, you know... They, they set themselves apart from the world in the sense that they wouldn't even allow themselves to be touched, right? When they were going through the marketplace, you know, they kept their robes all gathered in tight around them because they didn't want some unclean person to touch their robes and somehow stain or sully their purity. That was the set-apartness of the Pharisees. But Paul says, no, I'm not set apart like that. I'm separated and I'm set apart for the gospel of Jesus Christ. So it's a different kind of set-apartness now that Paul sees himself, a separated in a different way. And he said, and God has set him apart for another work. And so the, the significance of this apostleship, which I want to get into, is that, that even in the days of the apostles, there was a distinction among faithful servants and true apostles. And so I don't want to belabor the point, but I want you to understand the importance of this and who Paul is as an apostle. That even in 1 Corinthians 1, the, 1, the, the verse that we're looking at today, it says, Paul the apostle, and Sosthenes, our brother. Okay, so Sosthenes, I got time. Yeah, I got two minutes. Quick history lesson. So Sosthenes used to be the synagogue uh, leader, the head of the synagogue um, in Athens, I believe, and he was converted, and so Sosthenes was traveling with Paul at this time. Or no, he was in Corinth, sorry. He was the head of the synagogue in Corinth. And uh, he's converted by Paul, becomes a Christian, and so he, re- he, he mentions Sosthenes to the Corinthians when he writes this letter. This is a guy they would know. But he says, Paul, an apostle, and Sosthenes, our brother. Paul understands that he's an apostle, but Sosthenes is a brother, right? And that Paul is an apostle by the will of God, not by some self-appointment. And then later on, he talks about when he, when he introduces himself with Timony, Timothy, he says, Timothy, 
and Paul, fellow servants in the Lord. So when he's talking about being a servant in the Lord, he can say with Timothy, yeah, Timothy and I are servants. But when he says, Paul called an apostle and my brother Timothy, he can't put Timothy in as an apostle. Even though Timothy is his favorite student, even though uh, Timothy is the guy that Paul basically blessed and said, go on with my ministry, but he couldn't just call Timothy an apostle because it's not up to Paul to call somebody an apostle. It's only God can call apostles. And so this idea, just as a quick aside, this idea of apostolic succession, it doesn't exist in the Bible. Not, not capital A, apostolic succession. Right? Because if anybody was going to be an apostolic successor to Paul, it would be Timothy. But Paul never gives Timothy the title of apostle. But it's important that you understand because there were people who were false apostles and they called themselves apostles when they weren't. And so it's important that we understand that Paul was a true apostle. That he was recognized by the disciples as an apostle. That his writings were recognized as scripture. That he understood that even though he was as one, you know, lately born, or born too late, he was an apostle. The least of the apostles, yet I am what I am. And so, this idea of apostleship and why we should listen to Paul. Those are just a few. I hit five. There's more, but those are just a few reasons why Paul had the stature that he did in the early church and why his writings are considered scripture even by the disciples and why he spoke with the authority of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. And so, as we look at 1 Corinthians, as we go through this letter, understand that this is the man who is speaking to you, that the apostle Paul has all of this credibility. He has all these credentials. He has all of this reality around him. And So why make a big deal about this? I want you to appreciate Paul. First thing, there's three things. I just want you to appreciate Paul and all that his life was from where he started, breathing threats and violence against the church, to where he ended up, the calling of God. And appreciate the fact that his missionary zeal, the wisdom, the affirmation of his person, the writing, the scripture, uh, everything that he was, that Paul was a true apostle and appreciate that and appreciate his teaching and take it to heart. It's the wisdom of God that he conveys. Paul is a man that you want to get to know and you can get to know him through his letters. Paul is a man that you can go to for wisdom in your life and in the life of the church, who we go to in the life of the church for wisdom as well. The second thing is to set the right foundation, as I said off the start. Paul says in Ephesians 2.20 that the church is built on the foundation of the prophets and the apostles with Jesus as the cornerstone. And this is the foundation that we build upon as a church. We build on this foundation of the prophets and the apostles. And the foundation is built once, and we don't go on extending or increasing the foundation. This gets the idea of apostolic con- con- uh, succession. right? This idea, and the, and the thing that I want you to take away from here, is that this is the foundation, and the foundation is finished. So if you're looking for wisdom... Go to the apostles. If you're reading other writers, consider how those other writers or other teachers appreciate and approach the apostles. You can't relay a foundation once the foundation is laid. And when you start building the walls, the walls are no longer the foundation. The foundation is the foundation. And so as you read other writers and listen to other speakers, consider how they appreciate the apostles and where they place themselves. And if they're trying to lay another foundation, be aware and be wary. Because there is only a foundation laid once, and it was laid with the apostles, and it's finished. There is no further apostolic revelation. There's only what the Holy Spirit can reveal to us through the wisdom that the apostles and the truth that the apostles have already taught us. So we need to set the, the right foundation in our lives. And thirdly, finally, know that God didn't leave his church uninstructed. That was the other piece that I wanted to take away from this. 
that when Jesus was in the final days with his disciples, he said, there's lots more I want to teach you. You know, this church age is coming, and it's going to be messy because it's going to be made up with you guys. And, you, you know, I've lived with you for three years, and I know what you're like. And this messy church age is coming, and I'm not leaving you abandoned to it. There's more truth coming. And this is the neat thing that he said he would send his spirit, and the spirit would teach them more things. And that's what we see happening in the New Testament. After Acts, that's what you see happening. Those letters from John, those letters from James, those letters from Peter, those, all these letters from Paul, the writer of Hebrews, who I think is Apollos. But, um, you know, all of that writing is the Holy Spirit fulfilling the promise that Jesus gave his disciples, that he wouldn't leave them alone without further teaching, that he wouldn't leave them abandoned without truth in the church age. And that's the foundation that we build upon. And so as we begin our study in 1 Corinthians, basically, my burden is that we strive after these teachings from Paul and, and the rest of the apostles, John, Peter, etc. As those teachings are from the Holy Spirit of Christ, they're instructions that are left to us, things that are taught to us after Jesus ascended by the Holy Spirit, and that those truths are so, so important to the foundation we lay as a church. And so, so important to the foundation we lay in our own heart and in our own lives as we seek to become the stones that build up the new temple of Jesus in the church age. Let's pray. Father God, I just give you thanks this morning uh, for your word. I thank you for the Apostle Paul, for so much more we could talk about. Lord, your sovereignty. We don't, I don't get it. I don't understand why you could have... You Put your call on Paul's heart while he, was, while he was standing there watching Stephen be stoned. That seemed like a good time. Why did you let him go on to blaspheme? And why did you let him go on to persecute the church? And for so many months or years, that time period where he just... Why did you let him do all of that? Why didn't you just call him when he saw Stephen being stoned? I don't know. Other than maybe to teach the church something. I mean, a big lesson there is why we should love our enemies. Because we don't know who our enemies might turn out to be. The church hated Paul, and Paul ended up teaching them in wisdom and truth from your Holy Spirit. And so that's a lesson for the church. It was probably a lesson for Paul, too. That nobody could doubt that he was from God. He was from you. Because you took the most violent, hateful person... And turned him for your purpose. So that there could be no doubt that it was from you. Father, your ways are inscrutable. We don't get them. But we just give you praise and glory for who Paul is. Thank you for the letter, 1 Corinthians. Just pray that you would bless us as we study it in the weeks and months to come. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.